Hello, welcome to episode 22 of Sparks of Madness. This week, my guest is Leanne Easthope, a stand-up from the Midlands who um, speaks with me about life as a single mum to um, kids with special needs and the demands that that can place on you, particularly when you're trying to make your way in a world of stand-up. And also, um, we do discuss, and this is a content warning for anyone listening, we do discuss um, suicidal thoughts and uh, the planning of suicide. Um, I'm pleased to say Leanne um, is still with us and um, didn't go through with her plans some time ago, um, but we do discuss what it's like to um, have those thoughts and and how she's recovered from that and where she's going in the future. So um, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, Leanne's great to talk to. She's really lively and, and fun um, and uh, do check out her stand-up as well. Cheers. Welcome to episode 22 of Sparks of Madness, and I'm really delighted to say today my guest is Leanne Easthope. How are you doing, Leanne? I'm okay, thank you. Thanks for having me. Been looking hey, forward well, to it. Welcome. Yeah. Well, welcome. Um, and you're all down in the Midlands, aren't you? Is that right? Yeah, I'm in Solihull. Um, not the, the rough part of Solihull, not the posh part. <laughs> is there a posh part of Solihull? There is, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, okay. right. The, the, the posh part's in I. Um, the rest of us that pretend we don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, um, Leanne, you're one of the, the many people I've had on this podcast who I've not actually gigged with or met yet, other than sort of online. We've been, we did a gig yeah. on last Sunday actually online together. Um, yeah. So, I don't know a huge amount. I know a very potted history. So, what, when did you start in comedy? So, I started about a year and a half ago. Um, and so I've, it's not been great because we, I mean a year ago we went into lockdown so I didn't have a whole lot of time before that um, it really it just stemmed from other people sort of telling me how funny I was yeah and then saying yeah you should do comedy you know you should do fandom and I used to say it's so it's different being funny you know with your friends or at a family party than on a stage with a microphone and and it's sort of just I put it on my bucket list just to do it once yeah and all I was that the plan was to get up there once pick it off a book, bucket list and then that was it and I did the Hollywood in Cradley Heath that was my first gig right and I, I loved it and I did I, I got a really good reaction from the audience and I went back again a month later and then it's sort of been going ever since so was that like a, an open mic type night, an open spot night? Yeah. yeah. And how, so yeah. how long did you do, five minutes? I did six minutes, yeah. Six minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and was that something that you prepared for massively? Yeah. Or did you, so how, talk me through your prep then. It was, it was the most I've ever been prepared for a gig. I sort of half wing it, like, um, since time has gone on. But I literally, I wrote a 10-minute set, but because I was so nervous, I did it in six minutes, and I forgot some bits. But the night before, I was literally pacing up and down my kitchen, just repeating the set over and over and over again. And I haven't, I haven't been prepared that much ever since. <laughs> it was just the nerves that were sort of yeah. pressuring me to do it. And then, because Cradley Heath, for me, is about a 45-minute journey in the car. And... I, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to need um, a couple of drinks before I get on stage to calm my nerves. 
So I um I ended up getting a taxi, which was quite pricey, just so I could promise myself a few drinks before I got on stage. And do <laughs> and you I still have a couple of drinks to, now when you before you go on? Or are you is that? No, I usually I usually drive. Yeah, I usually drive yeah. so I don't drink. But my sister came with me, my two sisters, and they promised me that if nobody laughed, that they would laugh so loudly that you wouldn't notice. So, but luckily they didn't have to. Luckily I had a good reaction. So. So you're a single mum. You've got uh, three kids. I am. Yep, eight, nine, and ten. I did have telly. You cram those yeah. in in a short space of time. Um, yeah. So, how do you balance the two? Then I'm married with two kids, and I find it yeah. hard to gig regularly without it. The getting the balance right, so it doesn't impact too much on home life, and it's really important that it doesn't. Yeah. How do you balance that? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm really lucky with my, my I've got two sisters, um, a brother, my dad, and sometimes I've got plenty of people that, that I can ask to babysit for me. And I, I see see I I have been I've been quite depressed before in my life. And as a mother I've been depressed. So I find it really important to do something for myself. Yeah. Where um I'm I'm taking some time to do things that I enjoy doing. And then, therefore, I'm a happier person at the end of it. Yeah. So, I do, yeah, it, I mean, it does, of course, impact sometimes because I'm tired. If I get home late, I'm tired in the morning. Um, but then I'm, I'm a happier mother. So, my children get to see me as happy mum rather yeah. than sort of sad and depressed. And there's so much guilt surrounding doing things for yourself when you're a parent. And there shouldn't be. You're allowed to, you know, have a life, a personality, an opinion you're still a, an individual person and a human being. And I don't, I don't, I used to feel guilty. I don't anymore. And um, I find that I do, I'm much, I do a much better job um, taking time for myself and enjoying my life. Yeah. It's kind of the, it's um, justifiably selfish is the way I would put it. It's, it's, t- it is yeah. yourself so that you're able to look after them better. And I think that's really important. And, yeah. and if comedy is the thing that gives you that sense of fulfillment, then really, you know, it, it, what's the harm? I suppose. Um, I mean, I tend to to gig, you know, in the in the normal times before the the end of days that we've had for last year. I'd be probably gigging, you know, twice a week at the most, um, unless yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And you know, I'm lucky enough that my wife is is really supportive, and and you know, yeah. will, will not sort of begrudge me that. But um, <laughs> it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, because you do feel like potentially you're kind of you're robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit you know you're taking from one basket of the family needs to another but yeah I think if it gives you a boost why does it give you a boost and in what way does it give you a boost well I I think my children um have special needs my my two oldest are severely autistic right like they're non-verbal so they can't talk uh like they still take pads they're in a special needs school so I think and I have to be so serious and uh, and so dedicated on, on a day-to-day basis it's like the opposite of that so it's a sort of it, it feels to me like a situation where I can completely let go of yeah. all of that and I don't have to be somebody's someone's mum and especially a special needs mum like that I'm not that mum I'm Leanne and I'm funny you know and people don't people generally don't know me as a mum in the yeah. in the comedy circle so that's really fun for me you know it reminds me that I am still me, you know, that, that yeah. the, I'm not just somebody's mom. 
And of course, I like I do enjoy being I do enjoy being a parent, but um, a single parent of children with disabilities is a very stressful situation to be in. And and I find comedy is just the complete opposite for me. Yeah, gives you a bit, of, a bit of freedom feeling, from it. Yeah. So do, yeah. does that mean that you don't really your on stage persona isn't Leanne the mum? It's, no, it's how not, would you no, describe your no. on-stage persona? I, I, it's, a, it's a magnified version of my of part of my personality. So, I mean, I am a child. I'm from a council estate. So I like, to, I like to magnify that with, like, the biggest earrings I can find. And, you know, uh, just, like, boobs pushed up till they're touching my chin. And, uh, like, Cardi B nails sort of thing. I just like to really yeah. magnify that like that chaviness. And, I suppose a part of, like, I, I go out on dates and stuff like that. So on my stage, I really over-exaggerate that. And, um, you know, I'll go on, I maybe used to go on dates uh, once a week, whereas I guess people might think I'm doing it, like, daily <laughs> with how I talk. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's just a really over-the-top version of parts, isn't it? And I've noticed, because like a lot of comedians, you've sort of put a lot of content out on social media in the form of just sort of posts yeah. and observations on daily life. And yeah. I think a lot of us do that because then that, if, if it gets a bit of traction, it might be, oh, I can turn that into a bit on stage or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, you post a lot on, on social media stuff from yeah. sort of, is it plenty of fish and things like that? The, yeah, the, so yeah, yeah. I've been married, I've been with my wife since 1999. I don't know anything about yeah. these sites. Um, I wouldn't know <laughs> well, whether I, it was swiping left, right or up or down. But so, <laughs> yeah. so, so tell me about your experiences on there because they do sort of inform a lot of what you joke about. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been I've been single. I've been split with my children's dad for nearly five years now. Um, we're, I think we're coming up five years. So, and I was with him from twenty one to twenty nine. Yeah. So, like, I never had any experiences when it comes to online dating stuff. I've been when when I was twenty one, there, there wasn't like apps and stuff. I mean, you could go on online dating, but you still had, you had to go out and wag, and it was embarrassing as well. Yeah. No one was so open about it. So one night, um, I, I was quite drunk, and so I, I decided to go on plenty of fish. And I ended up talking to a guy from around the corner, and um, and luckily my first experience was a good one. Otherwise, I wouldn't have went back. Um, especially with some of the horrific things. And I've still I've been on there years, Matt. And there's literally nothing that anyone can say to me that will shock me. Yeah. And um, you know, people asking if I would. You know, treat them like a baby or humiliate them and just random sorted pictures out of the blue. One minute you're talking about the weather and then all of a sudden they're sending you a random naked picture of themselves and you're like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing for me and this is where I start to feel really old is I just don't, I don't get it is the thing is <laughs> as a bloke, you, I see a lot on, I, I sort of live quite a bit on social media. I do a lot on Twitter and stuff and, <laughs> And I see the number of times that women sort of say, look, just because I'm talking to you doesn't mean send me a photo of your cock kind of thing. Um, and and yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. does that happen a lot then? If, if Okay, or, or, let me say well, this. If you talk to I 10 guys, I if you talk yeah. to 10 guys, will all say, 10 of you tell them send you a picture of their prick? No, I mean, you're talking three or four, but it's still a large right. amount. It's, it's still yeah. a large amount. Yeah, yeah. And even videos, I mean... I think the worst, and I, I told this on stage once, the worst I had was I was supposed to a date with a guy on the Friday night, on the Saturday night. Friday night, he was out with his friends drinking. I woke up Saturday morning. He must have sent me some drunk text messages. 
and it was about four or four o'clock in the morning and it was him um, inserting a carrot into his anus yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean <laughs> so whenever yeah whenever I've ever sent a drunk message ever again in my life I still know I still absolutely know why about it so what if you sent your ex on I love you you know when this guy is sending videos yeah, of him you're not sticking half a casserole up your ass are you so that's all right yeah okay so I mean the reason I suppose why I'm intrigued with that apart from the fact that you post some really funny stuff that people send you or your yeah. funny responses I suppose is that in the news recently we've had a lot of both in terms of in the comedy news if you like and in the wider world a lot of talk about um, women's safety and men's kind of attitudes to women um, is that something you were aware of when you came into comedy that you know did you, do you feel safe gigging or have you ever had any issues gigging that yeah do you know I thought Honestly, um, honestly, I've had nothing but positive experiences. I mean, if there's ever been any flirtatious um, behaviour, it's come from me as well. Yeah. You know, it's never, it's not been like a, a sort of one-sided thing. And I'm, I'm by no way taking away any experiences that females um, have had, you know, and they've said they've had. But luckily for me, I, I would say, you know, at the end of a gig, I've had... Um, like guys walk me back to my car, you know, in the complete opposite direction of what they're going yeah. in. And, you know, the, you know, people will, will wait around for me. I'll, I'll go to the toilet or something else, I'll wait and I'll walk you back. Yeah. Um, I you suppose know, with the sort of style of performance that you do where you're, like you say, you're kind of chaving, you're yeah. dialing the chav up to 11 yeah. and you, you're talking yeah. about your dating experiences and whatever, I suppose that's, it's important to do anyway, but it's potentially even more important in case anyone gets the wrong idea about, you know, yeah, lo- loses yeah. the distinction between Leanne on stage and Leanne off stage and thinks that you're fair yeah. game. I do think, um, because of my style of comedy, I think anyone that's seen it um, feels like they can ask me more questions or talk to me in a way that maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable asking somebody else. But I accept that. And and I don't mind anyway. So I don't, yeah. maybe it's just because I don't, I'm, I'm so hard to offend and upset that maybe that's why I don't feel like I've had that many negative experiences yeah. because you know I mean you would have to offend me or upset me you'd have to try really hard yeah. like you would have to really go out of your way to, to really try because most things go over my head and I'm an open book so when people ask me questions even if it's you know quite rude I'll, I'll like, I can jo- I can I can joke that I can laugh it off you know I can respond I'm, I, I feel fine yeah so, well that's, that's that's positive um, and I suppose that from my point of view as someone who promotes gigs and, and books mm-hmm. gigs as well as attends them, it's been stuff that came out last summer in comedy and then in the last few weeks generally yeah. in society have been a massive eye-opener as a bloke because quite often um, you can be part of the problem without realising it just by being oblivious to it. And, and I think that's kind yeah. of where I come from. Of I, I genuinely, to the point where I actually ended up asking my wife the other week how often she might have been harassed in mm-hmm. the past and stuff because... It's just not the sort of thing to talk about at home over breakfast or whatever normally, you know, and, and there's yeah. ever Everard case and, and all the, the stories that people shared after that opened my but eyes. But let's face it, it doesn't just happen in comedy, does it? I mean, it happens no. in every yeah, everyday life. I mean, I, I, I used to work at Morrison's and, you know, there's a couple of situations back then that I would say was highly inappropriate and more so than I've ever experienced in comedy. Yeah. So... 
Right. It's food for thought, definitely. Definitely food for yeah, thought. Yeah. So you mentioned um, that you, you've had depression. I think you said you've had depression and you've had depression as a mum, which says to me that yeah. you kind of see those as two slightly different or dis, you know distinct things. Talk to me about yeah. your, your earliest experiences of depression. Well, so when I, I, I've been, I've been through quite a, a lot during, a, you know, growing up in, in my teen years, and stuff, which I never experienced depression in, even though, like, I was um, homeless at 19, and I wasn't depressed, and I think it was because it's that, you know, when you, you're so young, and you're, you're optimistic about change, and, you know, you're sort of yeah. resilient, as well. and when I, when I had children, that's when I had my first experience of depression. And it was, it was more the situation I was in and the relationship that I was in. So I was dating a narcissist. And um, it, when I was in that situation, it very much felt like he was out to hurt me as a person. I felt like he hated me at the time. Looking back, it, I realised it wasn't me um, it more than him. But when you're in that situation and, and someone is drag, seems to be dragging you down every single day, it, it's just exhausting. And when you when you wake up every day feeling really low, you get I got to a point where I didn't want to wake up again because I knew how I would feel because I'd been feeling the same way for years and years, and and I didn't want to wake up and feel that way again. And I think if it wasn't for my children, I probably would have. I mean, I consider I considered ending my life a few times, and and it was them that that stopped me from doing that. Because I couldn't imagine them being left in the world without me. Because I'm the one, I'm the person that cares about them and loves them the most. So, so without um, wanting to, to sort of, um, and if this is too far, just tell me to shut up. When you say you considered ending your life, I suppose what what were the considerations? What were you thinking? Were you actually to the point of? Yeah, I mean, we've talked to people on here before yeah. who got to the stage of planning their suicide. Yeah. I um I remember a few times sitting in the corner of my bedroom. I remember once sitting in the corner of my son's bedroom, and my daughter was in Moses' basket, and my son was he was only one. He was sitting on the bed, and I was I was in the corner, and I sort of had like just a bunch of like tab. I, I was very and paracetamol and stuff, and I, I took them all out packets and I put them in my hands, and I'm like just looking at them. It must have been hours until. Like just try, sort of trying to talk, talk myself in and out of not doing it or doing it, and and I suppose I, I mean I was sit, looking thinking about it now it's just a surreal moment because I was sitting in this room with you know my daughter in a Moses basket my my son was sitting there watching telly and I was I was sort of sitting there battling myself in the head and obviously in the end I didn't taste them but it was it was like an internal battle in my brain you know. Do you want to do you want to feel like this? Do you want to, do you want to wake up feeling like this again? Can you carry on doing this? And I didn't know whether I could or not. So, and I mean, I'm so glad that I never. Yeah. And and I, I feel really sad when I think about people that that have been there and and then took it or took that next step because for me life got so much better. And, and how, I imagine how did it get better? It, what what were the steps involved then? Did you did you get help or did you manage it yourself what was the I am um, well I my ex-partner was physically violent and on one night I rang the police because 
Um, and I've never, I hadn't rang them before because, so for me, that was a step that I, it was, I hadn't done that. So I knew I was, I did something that I hadn't done before. So I, I felt, I guess, ready to move to that step. Like, and, and I knew I didn't have the strength myself to keep them away. Whereas ringing the police, I felt like I took that, I took that um, decision out of my own hands. Well, do it yeah. and, and gave that decision to somebody else. You, because you've I broken I the cycle a bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, and then when when we split up, it took about a year for me to sort of, um, I was I had no confidence. I was a completely different person to, to who I am now. And it and it took about a year, and I had a lot of support from my sisters, and um, like even I remember going on my first date, and I was so nervous. I mean. It, it, we was, it was like four days pre-planned and I kept on going to my sisters to like going oh my god what, what am I going to talk about what do you do well, like I haven't done this in ages and like um, and I, was, I kept on asking them to take pictures with me because I was so nervous about sending any pictures you know about what he would think about what I looked like and stuff it was like a complete yin and yang from then to now I've been on a massive journey so and would you say now then that those issues are completely behind you or that you manage them day to day or yeah do you know sometimes I feel it's so weird because I it was the, I felt that it was that situation that was making me depressed obviously some people um have an imbalance of hormones and they you know have a tendency to be depressed whereas with me I felt I very much felt that it was the situation yeah. that I was living in that made me depressed so when it was over I had this like Disney train thought that it was all gone, that I would never feel that way again. And every now and again, I start to feel it creeping back in. And I have to remind myself of how far I've come and how much better things are. You know, I've never been that, I've never been that depressed again. Yeah. But I have been, I have been at low points. And when you get, when you get low, apart from telling yourself how far you've come, is there anything else you do to kind of, um, give yourself the the jolt you need or whatever to 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 stop. I think it. I'm just, it just and this sounds well. This sounds so corny, but it, I just I'm just practicing sort of being kind to myself. I've never really been a person to be kind to myself. I'm yeah. always like, why can't you know? Why are you doing not this? Why can't you do it better? Um, you know, why are you so crass? And it, it and I, I I think to myself, I would never say that to somebody else. If someone was going for a tough time or they didn't manage it that they thought they would, I wouldn't say, hey, you're so crap. I would say, don't worry about it. Come on, you know, you can do this. I'll help you. So if I, if I can be that kind to somebody else, what can't I do it to myself? And, 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 and I, I just accept that sometimes I don't do things perfectly. You know, I'm not a perfect mom. I'm not um, a perfect sister. I'm not a perfect friend. And, and that's okay, you know. Generally, so- I'm a good person. I know that. So your three kids are 10, 9, and 8. Do they, yeah. and obviously they've got some quite profound needs, um, do they have an understanding that, that mummy does comedy? Do they know what you do? My, my youngest does. Yeah. Um, but obviously he's never been allowed to watch any videos. No. No, <laughs> no save me. Uh, no. yeah. so, um, so, but, but is he proud of that or is he interested? Or Yeah, yeah he, he always tells a joke. And asked me, asked me if I was the keys winner. 
Right. You know, so like I guess he thinks I have like a, a superior sort of um, you know, feedback on what is funny and what's not funny. And sometimes it like he'll joke with me and he'll say he'll tell a joke and he's like he'll say, I'm funnier than you. <laughs> right. that's, that's lovely yeah. that's really nice yeah. and my kids are in com- in my stand-up set I say they're 9 and 11 for a joke but, and they were when I wrote the joke yeah. but they're uh, 14 and 11 now um, and uh, yeah they they kind of they get it I think that I do it and they actually my son this morning was watching I think he was watching Newsround on CBBC mm-hmm. they were talking about how restrictions are all easing and he actually said you'll be able to go out and gig again soon um, and I think he was quite pleased yeah. for me. I don't think I don't think it was because he wanted me yeah. out. Of quite pleased it was happening. Yeah. So I do have a bit of an understanding of it, but um, so. Well, Morrison's you know, eight, and he thinks that uh, he's got. He must have a really big uh, belief in me because he says, "You know, when you're famous, <laughs> or like nice. when you're rich and famous." Yeah, uh, and, you know, you let them dream. You don't want to shoot them down in flames, and you know, yeah. explain it. <laughs> Only only one percent of the comedians you ever meet yeah, yeah. get on the telly. Yeah. Um, so, I suppose what I was going to ask you was then, obviously the depression that you had mm. was before the comedy. Um, mm. Do you find that now you've mentioned you still get the odd low mood that you have to kind of self manage and whatever? Does that has that ever affected you either? Actually taking a gig, or has that ever stopped you taking a gig, or has it affected you at a gig ever? Uh, it affected my writing um, once, and it was. I remember it was coming up to Valentine's Day, uh, pre pre COVID, and my I wanted to write a Valentine's Day set, and when I mean it's I I, I, I I'm unbiased, but I thought I still think it's quite funny, but you can certainly when I read it back, you can certainly see the difference in style. It's more it's more sort of ranting funny, yeah, like sort of mo- like moaning about things rather than um. Like I try to be, you know, upbeat and a bit yeah. savage and stuff like regularly. But yeah, I could definitely see the difference in writing style. But then getting to a gig, uh, even when I felt low, I've always still wanted to go and gig. There's certain things I don't want to do when I feel low, but gigging is not one of those things. It's something that I actually look forward to. And, and, uh, and is that the same in terms battle. of? Is that the same in terms of um, kind of throwing your hat in the ring to get a gig? You know, applying for gigs because I know. Yeah. It sometimes affects me if I'm feeling a bit low that I might look at a gig and I'll I'll see it advertised and then I'll just think I won't get that if I go for it and I'll stop myself from applying for it. Yeah, I, I will say on, on my good yeah. days I know I'm good enough to get yeah. gigs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will definitely apply for that. I think. That's really I'll, good. I'll look forward. Yeah, I'll look forward to. To doing the, the, the things that I've already planned to do so I'll never cancel even when I'm feeling low and then I'll end up feeling better about better about it yeah but I don't really um apply for more so if you're feeling low before a gig do you always feel better after I would say so yeah 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 and what is it what okay. is that magic ingredient that helps you feel better then I think I'm a social butterfly and um it's a mixture of that and I really crave attention and I think comedy has been a, an outlet where I can get the attention without being an absolute dick. You know, like, you, we, we know these people that just crave attention from people yeah. and they're sort of at, at like, dickheads to get it. Or, you know, it's all... And I think doing comedy and getting on stage has been a way to do that and get the attention but without 
sort of sucking life dry from people around there. Does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah. No, it absolutely so, does. It absolutely yeah. does. And I see a bit of myself in that, you know, and yeah. uh, certainly, uh, you know, sort of family events or social events and whatever, you know, I've yeah. to the point where, you know, I've had family members who, who will say, not everything has to be turned into a joke, Graham. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely mean it. And and it's yeah. because, and it's like, well, that is that's how I don't say that's how I roll because that's a dick thing to say, but that's kind of <laughs> that is my coping mechanism for an awful lot. Oh, that is multi. Yeah, that is multi. I'm either really I mean, serious that's... or I'm being really yeah. joking. There's not a lot in between. You know. Even like, so do you have like before you have a lot of dark humans? That because I do. So there's, there's, I wouldn't share a lot of humor inside. But especially with my children, I make a lot of dark jokes um, about being a parent of like uh, special needs children. I mean, um, I mean, I, I have a joke that I'll, I'll share one with you. And um, I say like the my daughter actually licks windows. So I've, I said I've actually got a window licker living at home with me. And one day the neighbour knocked on my door, which is true, and said your daughter's in the window licking it. And I said, how dare you? She doesn't just lick windows. She licks doors refrigerators <laughs> uh, pretty much pretty much anything you can get a tongue on so don't box my door in um so yeah eve i i even it's a definite coping mechanism and if i can laugh at something then i'm not fine yeah so. yeah, yeah absolutely i think that's and, and certainly in terms of i mean i don't know if you car share to gigs or whatever but the, i've said this a couple of times on this podcast the the humor inside the car share is yeah. all like 100 times darker than yeah the, it is uh, yeah yeah. There was if they ever did like a, a a fly on the wall kind of filming of it. Yeah. Hardly any. I think, but almost no one would work ever again. It's like. Yeah. And, yeah. and do, you, do you ever say something that's like quite dark and humorous, and then the other, the other comedians try to encourage you to say it on stage, and you're like, yeah. no, I'm not going to say that. I, I had a <laughs> I have a joke. Um, I had, I had a joke about um, so there was a, fa- a footballer who died. Um. In a, in a plane crash and I, I I had a line about that and I said it in a room full of comedians and and it got laughs but then it got that, that sort of that laugh and then a lot of people saying I don't know if you could you couldn't you yeah. could use that and then sort of the most experienced comic in the room who was a bit of a mentor was just like he said if you're ever thinking of using that you have to on the night you have to make a judgment call about whether or not yeah. you get away with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, I think sometimes it can be really tempting, but and, and sometimes that's comedians just trying to trying to have a bit of a laugh at your expense and, and you know, like you say, yeah. not yeah. pranking you, but kind of, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, just this week in, in, I don't know if you saw the fallout from, there was an online show at the weekend where someone um came out with a, a poem that was sort of seen as anti-semitic and and there's been a bit of a blow up about that and you've got to be really careful because sometimes something yeah. can be a good idea and if you haven't thought it through 10 yeah. seconds after you, say it, you think fuck what did i say that for or what did i do that for yeah yeah well, that, I, I, do, I um i study special educational needs at university yeah. and it um it came humor came up and how it was just some people's opinion that, um, like, it's never okay to joke about disability. And I said, well, you know, I sort of have to dis- disagree. There must be so many people in the comedy in- industry that have autism that joke about it, that, you know, have ADHD that joke about it, that have had depression or anything like that and joke about it. And actually that's their 
right to do so. And, yeah. and, and if they want to cope in that way, that's absolutely fine. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to be a part of it. But I don't think it's right to, to judge how somebody else copes with their life. You know, I think you're absolutely right. I, think, I mean, I've always people have asked me this before, and people in my sort of social circle or whatever. And you know, politically, socially, I'm a bit of a, I'm not a massive lefty, but I'm a, I'm quite sort of I've got a strong sense of yeah. fairness and social justice, and yeah. you know, I, I'm sort of profoundly anti-racist, anti-homophobic, and all yeah. of that. And I think, and people said, is there anything you wouldn't joke about? And I've said, why would I rule any subject out? I wouldn't yeah, rule any subject. Yeah. The key thing is, it's got to pass just simply two rules. It's got to be funny and it's got to not be cruel. You know, as long as it's not cruel and as long as it's funny, why wouldn't you? Um, At the weekend, Lee, I don't know if you remember Lee Hurst, you're probably a bit young. Uh, He's a comedian, he used to be on the telly a bit. He was on, um, like, there was like a sports quiz, a bit like Question of Sport. He was on that. It was called They Think It's All Over. And he's, he's quite a right wing comedian um he's not really on the circuit anymore and he posted a joke on twitter about greta thunberg um he, i'm paraphrasing but it basically said something on the lines of um she's gonna kind of come unstuck when she finally discovers cock because of condoms made from single-use plastic was the premise of the joke right so what's yeah. she gonna do and and he actually initially got he briefly got suspended from twitter for that joke oh um, yeah and I think he's a prick. I, I will say that on, on yeah. air now. I have this <laughs> yeah. Politically, I think he's an arsehole, right? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've sometimes disagreed with him on Twitter. I've argued with him about stuff. But I will absolutely defend his right to be able to make that joke because I, I don't... Yeah, yeah. People said, and this is what pisses me off because my wife's a special needs teacher. Um, people said, but she's autistic. So he should... And I said, well, but the joke wasn't about autism. It didn't mention autism. Yeah. You brought that up. yeah that becomes quite patronizing then because what yeah 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 whole joke is if you campaign against single-use plastic are you going to have sex with a condom that's the joke right and actually part of the reason why i was i mean i was defending his right to make a joke anyway but i made a similar joke last year which was that you know imagine when you're you know in five years time when greta thumbo takes a guy home and she produces a washable bamboo condom that was my joke right (laughs) and and it's like is that how is that cruel it's not cruel you know i don't think it is the, the the culture at the moment is like oh he's an asshole it's but, a shit joke it wasn't a great joke and it wasn't he's not a great yeah. it doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to yeah make, you know but I mean this include this including certain people from like from comedy is I guess in my opinion this this discrimination itself yeah. so what like, we can make fun of women we can make fun of I mean how many jokes are there about middle-aged white men um, yeah. and that seems that's okay to say so why why disinclude anyone from humour yeah. you know it, if you can set the piece, set the piece of everybody and every, anybody, as long yeah. like you say, as long as it's not cruel and um, as long as it's funny. Yeah. You know, that's... That, and, so, and sometimes that funny so comes well. from... Sometimes the, th- the key thing that... that, that and, it's a, and it's almost a calculation comedians have to make, and you might get it wrong, but sometimes that's... Yeah. Yeah. How, how close to the line is it bef- of... Yeah. You know, if it's, if, it's, if it's just nudging the line of cruel, but it's the right side of it... That's sometimes where yeah. the world is. If it's the stuff where you go, oh, you laugh, then I think I can. If it, I can get there's certain things that certain people can get away with more as well. So if you have autism yourself, you're going to get away with a lot more. And um, yeah. myself, I I I make a lot of jokes about the working class, but I'm working class, and I've been working yeah. class my whole life. I've come from a, a long line of working class people, so I feel that I can 
I can get away with it a bit more. You know, I, I wouldn't want, if a middle class person or an upper class person just constantly bash lower class people, you know, you all like working class people just that, then we, then that was, I think it would be a lot less accepted. Yeah. People wouldn't want to listen to it. So yeah. I think you, just how much you can get away with as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a, a degree of that. And, and, you know, for me, most of my humour on stage is taking the piss out of myself in some way or yeah, yeah. people who are similar age, similar build, similar yeah. background, whatever. But partly because that's what I know, it's what I understand. I don't get a yeah. lot of, I don't get a lot of joy. There would, you know, it would be, when I first started out, it would have, my initial sort of plan probably, my, what I expected to talk about was I expected to be quite political and slagging off Nigel Farage types on stage. And yeah. it, I don't find it funny. I couldn't find the funny in it. Um, whereas talking about, you know, me being a 43-year-old man who's been married for nearly 20 years yeah. and the, the lack of a sex life that, that comes with that, yeah. that sort of stuff is, it's funny. Yeah, I, I, could, yeah I can relate to that. I, I've seen comedians joke about depression and they've done a really good job. You know, it, not only does it make you laugh, yeah. but it also sort of brings awareness as well. I yeah. can't. I can. I. I could never. I don't think I could do that. I. I I've never been able to joke about that part. Maybe I. I don't. I. I mean. Yeah. I've never really been able to make jokes about it. But I think. Um. Those that have. The ones that I've seen have done a really good job. Yeah. Well. And, so uh, last, last week's guest, Dave Chawner, has almost. I wouldn't say he's made a career out of it. I think he'd have a career anyway. But his. His kind of what he's known for is is talking about his mental health issues and. He's a he's a man yeah. who's a anorexia in the past and stuff like that. He's kind of yeah. he's almost you know capitalised if you like on his experiences and converted yeah. them into material. I don't talk at all think... about mental health per yeah. se. I do a few bits, but mm-hmm. um, I think yeah, it's I quite interesting because I, I think uh, I think maybe I don't because I use I use my comedy like um, persona as a sort of brick wall as a yeah. sort of guard. So like I'll, I'll like I'll put up this provard that of like I don't care about anything, you know, like and I'll tell you anything because I don't care because yeah. I don't care what you think about this. Um, and is that, is that quite that. freeing then? Does that sort of liberate you to yeah. say nothing's yeah. off limits then? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, and in a sense, it's a sort of um, guard as well. I've got like a brick wall up, but like there's nothing, um, there's nothing off limits. Yeah, there's and I'll say anything, and when people are quite shocked by it, good. I'm glad you shot because I've got, I've got more to say. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's good. And so, you know, because we're coming towards the end now. Um, yeah. In terms of the future then, because we're, I mean, we're at the back end of March now. In six weeks, eight weeks time, hopefully the the smaller venues like your pubs and bars that, that have nights on are starting to open up. And then by the summer, hopefully gigs will be back fully. What's What's your plan? What's your, have you got a plan? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to Brighton. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, that will go ahead. So, I've got some dates for Brighton in June. Um, I've, I'm also going to be running a, a night in um, Kidderminster, right. at, um, a pub. So, I'll be hosting that. So, I mean, the, the plans are there, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll go ahead. Do you see comedy as a hobby that gives you a bit of pocket money or do you see it as something that you want to make a living out of eventually or, or where do you see it? You know, it um, well, at the moment, it's, it's I would call it a hobby. I'm not making any money from comedy. I'm losing money from yeah. comedy at the moment. Um, as a lot would 
you know, be able to relate to it. But I mean, yeah, the, the dream would be to, to be able to make a living off it. That would be the ultimate dream. It doesn't happen for everyone, I know that, uh, which is why I go to university because, you know, there's that, and a, a net for me at the back. So it, yeah. Because, um, you know, in the future, I would like to do something that I enjoy, that yeah. makes me happy. Um, and yeah, if so, teaching would do that for me, teaching special needs, that's what I'm going to university to do. But yeah, but yeah, if I could choose, um, I would definitely choose comedy. Right, that okay. would be the dream, yeah. So <clears throat> this, is, this is the last question I ask everyone, and it's the yeah. same question every time. Um, if I could somehow wave kind of, some kind of magic wand and take away all of your negative mental health history and take away any prospect of a negative mental health future, so you've never had any problems with yeah. depression or anxiety, you've never come to that, had that situation where you were considering ending your life, any of that stuff, all of that's gone, never happened. It never will happen, but the the cost of that deal, the bargaining chip, is you never do comedy again. Would you take that deal? No, I wouldn't, and and not just because uh, of comedy. I just wouldn't take that deal. I think again, it's just going to be corny, but it's molded me into the person I am today, and I have so much more empathy for other people. I, I think I've grew a lot, and I've definitely learned a lot. Yeah, and. And hopefully I continue to learn. So yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. We wouldn't necessarily want to take that kind of way. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's made me the person I am. And I know that's corny, but that's how I feel. <laughs> it's um, out of twenty-two people, only one person's taken the deal. So, you know, including <laughs> you. So that's you know you're not yeah. alone. And I would never take that deal. Um, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I think the the whatever level you get to within comedy, as long as you're getting something out of it. Doesn't matter whether you're earning a bean or not, as far as I'm concerned. If you're, yeah, if you're yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And yeah. if I never earn a bean, and if I never earn a bean, I'll still continue to do it. That's so. fantastic. That's a really yeah. good attitude. So, yeah. Leanne, it's been lovely talking to you. Thanks for coming on, and good yeah. luck with your good luck with your yeah, studies, well. good luck with your kids, yeah. and uh, yeah. good luck with the comedy. Yeah, right. thank you very much for having me. No worries. Take care. There you go. So that was Leanne. Um, and I think a really interesting example of someone not being afraid to say that sometimes being selfish is what you need. Um, it's really easy to put others first all the time and put your own needs to the bottom of the pile. And I think Leanne shows that sometimes by being selfish, you're enabling yourself to be more selfless later. Um, so my advice is always to take the time to do something for yourself now and again and in her case and in mine um that quite often is getting out and gigging getting on stage telling people jokes and stories and hoping that you make them laugh um so you know really well done to Leanne for that I think it's fantastic and uh, I'm sure she'll go far so um, join us next week we have another female guest we have Vicky Delirious joining us next week um and uh, I, I know that's going to be another good conversation so do come back like subscribe share tell your friends uh, write to your MP and the Pope whatever um, spread the word. Uh, there's uh, there's more to come. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. Sparks of Madness is hosted by Graham Rayner and is a Gag and Bone Man comedy production. <laughs>